Thanks for tuning in to the Boiler Express podcast. Join us each week as we dive into all things Purdue sports. You'll hear in-depth analysis of our previous and upcoming games, as well as interviews with players and people involved in the Purdue sports fandom. Be sure to check us out on Twitter and YouTube for our live stream shows as well. Man, I almost made it through the whole intro without coughing. I got it right there at the end. Um, but what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Boiler Express podcast. So we've got a great one for you tonight. Lots to talk about. Um, we're going to kind of break down a little bit of this week in football, this week in women's basketball. Um, and of course, we're going to round out the show with this week in basketball. So lots of fun stuff to talk about. We've got the normal crew with us here, as always. We've got Chris or 5 Ghost, uh, myself, Damon, or the Ultimate Boiler. Uh, we've got Dylan, Russ, uh, Frank, the Stat Tank. And we've got a great guest with us tonight. We've got Jared. Uh, I, I always get your last name wrong, and I apologize for that. But I believe, is it just Justelitis or just Justelitis? Perfect. Awesome. Got it right. Perfect. Awesome. Um, so uh, host of 101.7 The Hammer, uh, pretty excited to have him on here to talk about all things Purdue, um, get to know Jared more. And so, Jared, welcome to the show. We appreciate you being on. Can't wait. This is going to be a whole lot of fun. Uh, I always love talking with uh, fellow Purdue creators. I think we have a community of, of uh, fans now that can do and that are getting more and more engaged, uh, different things too with Purdue content and, and uh, one of to see it. And, uh, and I just love the support. It's really appreciate you, you guys invite me on the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we're excited to have you on here. It's going to be a great time. Um, and so uh, just a real quick, uh, you know, thing. I know anybody who's listening to this probably knows who you are. They probably listen to your show. Yeah. Um, a ton, but just for anybody that may not know who you are out there, kind of tell them, fill them in on, on who you are and what you, and your involvement in the Purdue community. So, uh, town, uh, uh, we have an ESPN radio, uh, affiliate, uh, 101.7, the hammer, uh, I have three to four where we just talk local sports. So it's, it's, uh, you know, some of your Chicago teams and, and, and bears and then, you know, Indianapolis, the Pacers, um, you know, Big Ten, but we also so cool sports as well. So we talked to uh, uh, people like that in high school football. Uh, I do play by play, play for the ball as well. Uh, we have uh, uh, Purdue, myself, and Jeff Julik do on on uh, Fridays. Purdue tailgate show, which I, I do with uh, Kyle Charter, who stays pretty busy. Oh, I also serve. Uh, the uh, public soccer, which, which was a lot of fun, fun team to watch, and, and that's a crazy atmosphere. They actually for Carson for one of the, the first women's basketball game. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Like for, for a guy, I literally eighteen, nineteen years now. Service in my like since like maybe my first day on like a major. The filling in for that. At, uh, I was like so free. So, uh, um, yeah, th- thank Coach Gerald's was really, really nice. like she knew I was nervous about it. And we go to like the first half in, and and she just kind of paced and then so she walks over. But she goes, "You still nervous?" I'm like, "There, you shouldn't you be, be like watching?" She's like, "Yeah, we're good. We they they won the game. Everything went well." And, 
and I didn't. So yeah, so, so that's uh, that's what I do around here. Uh, how I uh, always mute my mic at the most inopportune times. So, um, no, but really cool to hear about all of that. It's neat to hear about all the different places that you have a hand in uh, in and around the Purdue community. Um, that's great. So anybody watching um, that doesn't know Jared, um, check out 101.7 The Hammer or anything else that he's involved in. Always does a great job. Um, he gave me some free tickets one time to a game. Um, so that was awesome uh, during the radio show. <laughs> uh, I guess I should preface with that. With that, it, it was on his radio show. But uh, um, yeah, so uh, we've you know it's basketball season, uh, a lot going on, but we've actually got a little bit going on in football uh, as well. So this past week, um, the football team has had a couple of commits um, and have posted some really cool content. So they posted a couple of strength and conditioning videos that. I don't know if this has ever happened, but I've never wanted to give somebody a raise before they've even coached a football game at Purdue. But just the the content, the vibe that this football team is uh, and the coaching staff is creating, it just feels like it just gels so well. How are you guys feeling about you know uh, things coming out of the Purdue football program and um, you know just the some of the stuff they've been posting this week? I love just how much energy there is the program because you're always worried about energy drop-offs after a successful coach leaves and then having to replace him so um and i actually think the energy around the program is probably up because i think and i mean this very lightly but we've seen it in years past where um the head coaching hire for whatever name a sport has kind of been a bad one so a lot of people are like eh, i don't really know about this but when you get one of the best defensive coordinators in the country to come to be your head coach i think that drives up a lot of excitement and all of his coaching hires the offensive coordinator defense coordinator strength and conditioning coach everybody is just really squared away dudes i'm really really excited i can't get september fast enough <clears throat> yeah no i think they've done a really good job of picking up the momentum and keeping things rolling as smooth as they can and it's a young coaching staff so i think they won't have the energy uh but not only that um i think again i i i give uh, praise to purdue uh, purdue creative all the time but they They're continue to do yeah. continue to do a great job to to really document what's going on um but yeah i think energy on i mean you got to combine the energy not only with football with basketball and now the women's team i mean man it's just all around in purdue sports people are buzzing yeah, What's absolutely. Thoughts, I love it. Um, some people that don't love that stuff, everything with how long they've been a John Purdue Club member. Well, you know, there's there's that demographic that's not going to get up. Here's They don't have to get that part. All right. They, unless you, if you come out there in a year, they're happy. You know, they'll be a little up. But, you know, that's that's what old guys do <laughs> stuff. So I'm not too worried about that. I, look, I, I list it. It's it's great. Um, really going to pay off is being able to be and through the means that these kids want to communicate how they it, it's a whole thing. And, and that's fine. I will season because when you have a lot of you, so there is going to be be a learning things. Uh, some fans might not be patient about that. I understand it. 
Um, I'm, I'm very excited here. We'll have that, uh, that tomorrow. Uh, it'll be really nice to see if a certain wants to, uh, go ahead and sign on the dotted line. Yeah. Uh, on the first signing day period, that would, yeah, I know the, the content, you guys are right. The content's fan. Big shouts out to Sadler and the rest of creative because, um, I, my gut may, maybe they're getting a little stuff. I don't know that the old regime was really keen access to, uh, a lot of, of uh, like, like creative, like I think they got it, but they didn't really guess this, this, coaching staff is young they, they get it and that's you know sorely needed for the program yeah i think they're doing a phenomenal job uh creating a lot of buzz around the program just like everybody said um and i mean this is the first time that you know even after brahm has had a successful season i don't think there's ever you know the the first time we won uh went eight and four and then won the music city bowl um you know, I, I don't remember this much hype going into an offseason. Um, and this is at in in the middle of a coaching change as well. So for Walters to come in here um, to be very well aware of the concerns that he's a defensive guy, that this is, you know, this is the uh, the cradle of quarterbacks. The bread and butter is our offense um, and to be well aware of those concerns to kind of address them right off the rip and to uh I love the, I don't even think that he took long to build his staff. Uh, I think that he just was very methodical about it. It was like, I want to make the right choices. And I mean, we still have to wait and see if they are the right choices. You know, we have to let them play a game. I'm just excited, but uh, you know, I, I think it's going to be a, a lot of fun. Um, lots to look forward to. And they actually coach Walters got in, in the, the coaching staff, they got to experience their first game at Mackey arena and what a first game to go to. Um, I, was that Purdue's first ever whiteout? Does anybody know? First one I can remember. Yeah, same. It's the first one I can think of. Yeah, yeah, um, and absolutely like beautiful. By the way, that looks that looked really cool. I, I wouldn't mind to see kind of a more of a mix up of like whites and blacks and golds uh, out there, um, you know, for the t shirt games and whatnot. I thought that was a really cool um, idea, and of course, everybody loves the the Purdue script uh, as well. So good. So. Uh, that was their first game at Mackey, but um, you know, I kind of want to know what was your, what were your guys' first games at Mackey Arena? Do you remember what that first game was? I actually do. Um, so I mean, I, I grew up a Purdue fan. Um, you know, watched uh, watched a lot of the the Baby Boilers era. You know, even even before that. Um, but I didn't actually attend my first game until uh, it was 2012. Um, Purdue and Xavier. Um, okay. we had the lead most of the time and actually ended up losing, losing that game. Um, but, uh, yeah, that was my first game. Actually. My first game was a, a loss as well. It was 2008. Um, it was a home game versus Northwestern. They lost 64 to 61. Um, but that was, uh, at that point in time, I had really only, I mean, my grandpa had has had had season football tickets since 85. And, uh, so that's like all I ever even thought about, like pretty basketball really wasn't even on my radar up until, the point that he asked me if I wanted to go to a basketball game. So that was uh, 2008 against Northwestern at home. But uh, what about you guys? Mine was actually not a men's game. Mine okay. was a women's game during the 99 championship season. Oh, that's awesome. Um, we got to sit in the fancy seats. And then, um, but my actual first men's game was Jawan Johnson shot to beat Penn State. 
Nice. Uh, like 2010-ish or something like that. It was a good time. I want to say mine was maybe like, like 04. It was one of the early uh, games. I got like free tickets because... Uh, um, and uh, that's what I was like. Things so beggars couldn't be choosers, but uh, that was, was I can't. Uh, it was very, very, very one sided. That's all still a lot of fun, but yeah, that's yeah, it's uh, fine. Cool. What about you, Russ? So, um, I was trying to look up to, to see who was actually like on the roster, but um, I definitely grew up going to women's games as well. Um, but the first men's game I can remember going to, at least buying my ticket for, was SEMO, Southeast Missouri. Um, and Carl Landry was still on the team, and we okay. just like smoked him. But I just I just remember like being so proud that like I spent my money on this game. It's the first game I'm going to. Like I went with the high school girlfriend at the time and was like, Yeah, I'm gonna do this a lot more. Like this is not the last time. So but uh, yeah, I at least got to witness a win. But it was yeah, it was a blowout. It wasn't even a game. So <laughs> <laughs> trying to think, my it was uh, Swanigan's breakout year, whichever year that was. My memory is terrible. But my first ever Purdue game in general is at Miami of Ohio. I think it was Katie's last year, if I remember right. And I was young. I think it was like seven or eight. And I remember just thinking like. That dude with the weird hair and the suit is like losing his mind. Uh, so that was like, I was at Miami, which I don't know why Purdue even went to Miami, but they did, which is like 30 minutes from my house. So my dad and I went. Uh, but my first game at Mackey was, um, you know, Swanigan's big year. He, he came out. Um, couldn't even remember who it was a small school. It wasn't a Big Ten game, but uh, mm-hmm. I've only gone to like one or two uh, basketball games. I've gone to a bajillion football games, but only a few basketball games. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I uh, I still remember where I was exactly whenever I got the news that Swanigan had committed to Purdue. Um, at the time, I was working a summer job. I was a, I worked for the local water department, and so we were just kind of the whatever they wanted us to do. That was our job. Uh, and so I was like painting fire hydrants that day, and I remember my phone went off, and my the guy I was with uh, painting that day, he was also a college kid um, doing, it, and he was a Michigan State fan. And so he was like, there's no way Caleb Swanigan is choosing Purdue over Michigan State. There's just no <laughs> way. There's no way it's not going to happen. He is way too good to ever think about walking on a Purdue's campus. And it was such vindication. Uh, <laughs> whenever they, and I remember my Twitter blowing up, uh, man, that was, that was a lot of fun. Um, but, uh, yeah, good times. And so, uh, taught to kind of build off of those good times. Um, and, and somebody just mentioned Katie Gerald's a bit ago. Um, how about that Purdue women's basketball team and two, uh, taking on two, uh, ranked teams on the road this week and taking them both down. That was pretty cool. And I think Russ, you said you listened to the Katie Gerald show this week a little bit, right? Yeah. Um, tuned in and, um, got to see her in the, uh, the chief's Jersey. Um, even though it was red, um, she Sorry, was Dylan. also pumped about her week as a Chiefs fan, but uh, I'm happy for Carlisle. Yeah, uh, you know, she's definitely, it. you know, very, very pumped. Oh, I'm sorry, Dylan. What happened? What, were you a little salty about that? Go on, rest. Go on. I don't want to talk about it. Go on. <laughs> go Carloftis. Don't go Chiefs. Go Carloftis. That's all I got to say. Yeah, there you go. Well, it was a Carloftis jersey too, so that's why she kind of got a break for wearing red right. on the the yeah, coach's show. Right. But um, yeah, they're. I mean, they're definitely very hyped. You know, she's in her what second year. And, you know, they were close last year. They didn't really get blown out a lot. And this year they're, they're finally starting to turn the corner a little bit. Um, they're, they're kind of that next team 
in the Big Ten women's ranks that's, you know, we've got six teams, I think, ranked on the women's side, and they're like the next team kind of knocking on the door trying to get in. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're they're doing great things, and they're they're pumped for the sellout this Sunday, uh, big time. So they moved uh, – I think I saw they moved into the top 40 on net too. So they're they're also looking like a tournament team. You know, they're not not quite solidly in the field, but they're not on the last four in. So uh, they're, they're definitely in good shape. Yeah. I actually got to talk to uh, uh, Abby Ellis – um, and, and I had uh, a couple of times already this year and you know, they struggled in the middle over at like such a high rate and you, know, you go from that to you kind of figure that out. She said, they've just really doubled down, especially they've really, really focused on that. Mm-hmm. And, but, you know, we, we talk about the great coaches that do, you know, Dave, John Dell, uh, always campaigner. Um, I, I think coach of the best too. I don't know if you ever get a chance not to arrest wrestling coach. Uh, he's a hype machine, but there is something with Kim. like when you talk to her, it, it's, it's not like an intense. Like the, I don't know how to explain it. the woman just radiates when infectious. Like it's just, it, it's ab time. I get a chance to talk to her. I, I walk away. He's run through a wall right now because I kind of think I'm. What the hell happened? Like she is just, she's just low and You kind of have to treat this as her first year. You got to remember, remember that. And she was on the Matt Painter plan, right? She was the uh, Danny Hope plan. She, she was going to have the years, mm-hmm. get to know the team, get out there and recruit. I got pulled right out from under her, and she had like a man. That's like an impossible task to do. So I promise she's had time to breathe and in, in, in what she wants to do here and, and do it. The, and, and now you're starting to see that you're really, she, she's great. It's, it's an up-tempo, fast, fast game. Uh, they like to run and gun. It's a fun brand of basketball with women's basketball. Katie Gerald, I don't know what to do. Fun. You got to check them out. Yeah, they uh, they look like a lot of fun. Just catching a couple of uh, highlights in some games this year, they look like a lot of fun. They look like they want to play hard for their coach, um, want to play hard for each other. Um, and yeah, Sunday is going to be a big game, especially you know keep the train rolling. Let's knock off uh, both the teams. Purdue's men's team has to play this week, and then end the week on Sunday with a with a great win um, against the rival at at Mac Arena at a sold out Mac Arena as well, which is great. So I love that for them and. Uh, continued success for the women's program. Um, and so, you know, I guess we should talk about men's basketball. They're, uh, um, they're, they're struggling this year a little bit, you know, they're <laughs> fighting through it though. Um, I think painters kind of on the hot seat right now, but you know, he's doing the best he can <laughs> No, Um, good job uh, trying that with a straight face. Right. Um, but no, uh, we talked last week, about their first game against Michigan this week and how we were all kind of scared. That was a game we had all kind of circled on the calendar as one that, and even Kyle had talked a little bit about, you know, they may lose uh, at Michigan um, uh, this week just because it's a, it's a tough matchup, not only just the the team, but the, uh, the arena as well. Purdue doesn't have a great track record in. 
but they pulled it out and it was a really fun game to watch. It was a very close game pretty well all the way through, but it was a really fun game to watch. It was really fun. I, I really enjoyed watching Dickinson and, and the ED go at each other. Um, I thought that was a good time. What do you guys think about the game? Yeah, I mean, I think um, I think I thought we honestly did a good job on Hunter Dickinson, all things considered. I mean, yeah, he had 21 points, so it took him 16 shots to get there. I mean, so like we like from an efficiency standpoint, we did a pretty good job, and he also hit two threes. I think he was two for four. Um, but really, the big thing I, I felt like we did in the second half mostly was those early doubles on him to you know force the ball out of his hands, and several of those we intercepted, and a lot of those we deflected. Um, so that we did, it was just, it was just a really fun kind of chess match to watch, you know, how we decided to defend him. Um, I thought it was really cool to see Trey Kaufman Wren kind of break out again. I mean, you go four for four, um, you know, then uh, getting that third foul on Taurus Reed there in the first half was huge. I mean, cause they've been running that kind of two post up lineup a lot and, uh, that took away that option from them. So Really, it was it was a technical uh, that you know was kind of dumb. He said something in TKR's face right after he dunked the ball and you know, got that third foul, two free throws for Purdue. So um, yeah, that was that was big. But um, and, and also just the you know the bench as a whole, you know Newman doing some good things, uh, David Jenkins kind of having a breakout game, Morton doing some great things on both ends of the, the floor. It was just a great team win overall. But like you said, the lead never got wide enough that I felt like I could, you know, kind of be at ease. So they really kept me on the edge of my seat the entire time. And uh, yeah, it was a, it was, it was just a fun game, as you said. Yeah, I definitely like the energy and like, well, we never got that lead stretched out to 20 or whatever, but the whole, like, it seemed like Purdue was very much in control. A lot of that game, you know, they're, they would have runs and they always, you know, good teams will make those runs, but I felt like, Purdue just handled the moment and didn't get too high or too low, no matter where they were at in the game. Mm-hmm. Isn't it funny how, uh, and I'm sure, I, and I know that Purdue's not just the the only fan base, but I feel like 20 points is like that benchmark where we're like, all right, we can breathe now. We can, it, everything's going to be fine. We can relax a little bit. Um, but it's always like, it's got to be 20 points or we can't, you know, uh, relax a little, but um but yeah a uh, really fun game um i only got to catch a little bit of the second half to be honest i had some family stuff going on but um did anybody else that got to watch the whole thing what'd you guys think well i got to watch it from inside my store that a truck drove through so um nice. that was fun i remember telling you guys about that but uh <laughs> You should <laughs> yeah, probably but, tell that to Jared. He looks kind of confused. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so I work for um, a restaurant down here in Louisville, um, restaurant chain that uh, we had a, a drunk driver drive through the front of the building, and so uh, I'm kind of watching on my phone as we're cleaning up pieces of glass. So that was fun. But um, yeah, no, I, I mean, I got to watch bits and pieces of it, and it didn't seem like we ever really lost control of the game. You know, especially in the second half, we always kept it, and maybe got to like eight or nine, then we pushed it back out to eleven or twelve, and that wasn't. Wasn't really, wasn't really too much of a threat, but uh, I remember posting in the thread about how solid David Jenkins Jr. has been the last couple of games. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, Painter's talked about all season that you know, these guys are having to be, you know, ready for their moment. They got to be ready for their moment. They might only get eight to ten minutes a game, and it's hard to be consistent with those minutes and hard to be efficient. But if they're going to be successful at the next level or successful moving forward at all in their basketball career, They've got to figure that out, and he's definitely figured out the last couple of games. He's um, shot 67% from the field 
and made five of six three-pointers. So huge, huge get that effort off the bench. And, you know, like you all said, the, the bench the last couple of games has been huge for us, big time. Edie's getting his, but our benches are smacking the other benches as far as production-wise. So mm-hmm. I think David's going to continue to get better. I mean, you, you also come in. Um, then you got to build rapport at your role. Then you got to figure out how to thrive in your role. Player, we knew the kid could shoot. Um, and it was dry spell there in December where they just uh, the shot. Um, and I mean, how many how many minutes does he get? Eighteen, maybe max. So I mean, anything to a real rhythm with guys that you only been when when he get on campus there, there maybe like August. So I mean, yeah, it, it, it that's a great point. Takes everything to get together you know and so so it shouldn't be terrible he's kicking it in now um but i would suspect that he's going to continue to get more and more bench uh, as we start to get in the tournament play situation you just walk right in you understand because you got got you can get the defensive side of the ball so that's first and foremost when you step in practice every day is you got to work on the defensive side we knew it, but now he's able to mm-hmm. put it all together he's had the time it's seen the dividends now yeah, yeah. You, i said limited minutes but he's gotten 17 more minutes in four of the last five games so he's he's playing a good chunk and if he starts to get his production going it just makes another weapon for our team to make us that much more dangerous yeah yeah like what, 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 no, I'm just kidding. Uh, when guys like uh, DJ Jay and Ethan Morton and Gillis are out there hitting threes, uh, I think that's a really great sign for how a game is going to go. Um, and I love how much fun David is having on this team. Uh, you know, he he goes from being the guy on the other teams that he's been with uh, in his college career to more of a that role player. Um, and like you said, Jared, you know, having to having to build rapport, having to to learn the Matt Painter playbook um, to figure out where he's going to fit in and, and what he's going to do. And honestly, playing a position he may not be super comfortable with. You know, he's uh, normally a shooting guard um, as well. So just to add another layer to that cake, um, too. And uh, I think on the the uh, either the postgame presser or, or somewhere he talked about, you know, this big, long text he sent to Braden Smith about how proud he was of him and how – uh, amazing he's doing and just like that's just awesome uh, and to have a guy that's just willing to that's just that just loves to be at Purdue uh, that is loving his time at Purdue and is just um, you know doing his his role of being an encourager being a you know uh, a facilitator a teacher um, as well while he's on his way uh, out finishing his final year um, it's just a really cool thing well that's well, what I, think I don't ever think I've seen in any I'm sorry. I, I don't. I don't think I've seen an interview with David Jenkins or a press conference or anything, you know, uh, where, where he's been uh, talking about the team where he hasn't mentioned the camaraderie that he feels with the other players and that he's developed with the other players. And it seems like something he holds like very, very valuable to himself. And, and I just think that that's a really, really cool thing. Just it's just, it's just you know you you don't necessarily see that all the time but he he you know that text he sent to Braden Smith I mean that just goes to show what type of person he is and I think he's just happy to be on a team that's 21 and one I mean who 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 wouldn't be you know I mean especially for a guy who's 
things his fourth school. I mean, he it's it just and even for him to set a record like he did at Mackey with respect to like how loud it got. That was the loudest Mackey's ever gotten that they were able to record, and it was him hitting a three at the end of the first half. So, um, like that's that's just that was a really heartwarming moment, you know, in my opinion for him. But I was really happy to see that for him. That harkens back to something else Matt Painter does. It's something when I have him on is that when he he very careful about who he out, especially in the transfer portal. That it, you know, culturally, and that it has to be a good fit. If it's not, despite they need, he'll he much rather do that than to because you need the piece it is not going to. Um, and so when you talk about David Jenks, uh, that that is something that Matt Payne absolutely looks for for uh, in the portal is available at that position he needs a, he needs uh especially in the locker room the chemistry um so better not just to bring the guy in it's because that he fits he, he's that yeah uh, i think that's a great point that he he really finds system guys it's not guys with uh, the best stats or the best ratings it's guys that um who he knows uh, will gel uh, into his team. And, you know, it's it's great, too, because that's definitely something that you, if you look at Matt Painter's career, he's had to learn how to do that. That's not always been, you know, a great skill of his. You know, you look at the early 2010s, um, those are some pretty rough years. You uh, And for him to take those moments and to learn from those and to grow, um, I think that says a lot about Coach Painter's character as well. And he just um, – you know, uh, this year especially, it just feels like there's a different facade about Coach Painter. He just seems a lot more even keel. Not that he was ever, like, not even keel, but just even more, like, he's just, like, relaxed. He just – it's like he can – it's like he's, like, looking into the future. Like, he just knows what's going to happen, you know, three steps ahead, um, and, and nothing really bothers him. And it's a – it's just a fun time. You know, we've said it a couple times here, and it's becoming, like, the saying of Purdue is it's a fun time to be a Boilermaker. Um, and, and it really is. And, you know, the game against Michigan State, I think, really showed that. Um, what an environment. Holy crap. Just watching it on TV. I mean, I, I have goosebumps right now just talking about it, just seeing it. You know, the video that, again, Purdue Creative, uh, incredible people, um, an incredible team over there posted that video of the highlights and everything of that game. And just, wow. You know, if you can't get chills watching that, I don't know what you can um, with. What a game. Um from all from all angles, there's a lot of people that had great game, had uh, a big hand in helping Purdue, you know, beat Michigan State the way that they did. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think it was a very balanced game. I felt like we we everybody. I mean, obviously, Ed got everything, but like all the guys who weren't scoring twenty, they were doing the little things. They're getting the boards, they're getting the, the steals and tips and things like that. And Ethan Morton just did great on defense again, and then. Frank, you mentioned in the group chat, um, was it the Michigan State game where Braden had that, where he basically chased the dude halfway around the court and it could have been an open three, but he blew it up? Oh, uh, yeah. It was uh, um, Walker. They were trying to run him off of a, a staggered screen and he just just completely got in front of him and wouldn't let him use the screen and, and just completely, completely blew up that play. And like, 
you know, the great thing about that is that's not something that's ever going to show up on a stat sheet. And that's, you know, but he ended up having to settle for like a contested, like mid range floater, you know, versus what would have likely been a pretty open three. Um, you know, and then I guess on, on, on the subject of Ethan, Ethan Ward, I mean, it was great to see him hit that first three, the first play of the game. I feel awesome. like that play just kind of set the tone for the entire game. You know, they were double teaming Edie and he pops out to the three point line and no one goes with him and he, you know, he makes him pay for it. Um, you know, in that, that first game, he was, I think, what, 0 for 3 or 0 for 4 against Michigan State from 3. Um, so he kind of kind of set the tone early that he was uh, he was going to put up some points. And I think he missed five, four or five free throws, too. I mean, so he, you know, he could have had a double-digit scoring game. Um, but, yeah, I mean, his, his defense is, is, is unreal. It's on another level lately. Um, you know, it was good to see TKR, you know, do, do more, um, more good against that. I mean, and, and we, we've talked about the David Jenkins 3, but just – um, it was just another great showing from the bench, and it, it's it, it sounds funny or counterintuitive to say there was a lot of balance when you had a guy go for what was he have thirty eight, um, but it just it, <laughs> I felt like uh, everyone it, you know it was Edie and then everyone else in equal numbers around him. Like Gillis had a really good game, um, TKR as I said had a good game. Newman had a had a pretty pretty decent game, missed a few shots there at the end, but hit a crucial one. Fletcher had a really good game. It, it just it, it was just a great game uh, by everybody involved, in my opinion. Really good execution on the defensive end. Yeah, just incredibly efficient on offense, too. 21 assists on 29 made baskets. That's crazy. But, yeah, Morton was one for six from the free throw line. Uh, probably not a great follow-up to people saying he shouldn't be on the floor because of his, de- his offense. Uh, but his defense, again, was just solid. So, yeah. Yeah, and uh, to add to the defense, you know, I think uh, Edie does a great job of guarding the paint, but something I think he excelled in uh, this past game were his double teams and just the way that he maneuvered around the paint. Um, you know, he had he caused three turnovers off of those three steals that he had gotten, um, which is not something that I'm used to seeing. I'm not used to seeing a seven foot four, almost 300 pound guy just stealing the ball away from uh, people. So uh, I think he did a phenomenal job moving around the floor. I know that that's kind of a um a criticism i feel like of edis is just his slowness of, of kind of moving around the the court and stuff like that so to see him move around cause uh to cause some mayhem with those double teams and, and get some steals so i thought was really good um and i thought he just kind of really he had sissoko's number that game you know he kept getting great positioning against sissoko he kept uh you know putting the ball up against him i, I have a i was taking notes during the game here um and, uh, you know, I think I can't, it was under, I think it was under 10 minutes and he had 25 of produced 55 points and then he ends up scoring 13 more. Um, just, yeah, yeah. You can't say it. I, yeah, my, uh, my last line is boilers win in all caps, 38 points for Edie. My God. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, just a really fun game. And, you know, you talked to about, uh, all the contributions from everybody, um, as well. Uh, it was funny. I, uh, had what did i write here um see if i can't find it um oh yeah um you know there was a i was kind of nervous about uh i don't know why i just felt like newman kind of wasn't maybe uh make uh producing off the bench um as well as i uh he had been previously and then he comes in at like the 450 mark in the second half and uh, I write, let's see if the bench success continues. Newman with an air ball layup. Newman almost immediately picks up the foul. Uh, Newman gets in. Uh, oh, and then he, he gets the in and out. He hit a three there to, to go in and out. So 
Um, but you know, he had a he had a solid game as well. That was just a, a quick stand. That was like two possessions uh, that that happened. But yeah, just a, a long winded way to say everybody's had a great game. So, Jared, what do you think? Well, when it comes to Ethan Morton versus the, the I understand. I, I I read the internet. Com, Ethan Morton out there. Well, one thing Ethan Morton does do for very often. That's been one of the problems with Brandon the ball over. Um, and uh, when you trust you out there. You're not not going to get the. Now Ethan is just. It, it's weird in the right place at the right time for a lot of these. Kind of bizarre. I think people tend to forget. That he usually gets minutes too. And people go, oh, I'll look at the plus minus. I'm like, yeah, but he's also been putting the, the cards. Uh, that's not easy. Uh, I I still think he does a great job. Look, he wouldn't be he, he wasn't any good at what he does. Matt Painter's not going to put a guy out there. Uh, um, but I, I, I am like a, a big number next to the points next to a star out there. But he truly does do a lot, a lot of great. You know, when it comes to you know Zach Eady versus Sissoko, I feel like Eady was just in his head. I, I feel first time it's like, what am I supposed to do against this guy? Getting getting fouls, got tech out of the half, half two for uh, uh, towels. Um, I I think he was just in his head. Win this battle, it's not gonna happen. I'm just gonna. I think he psyched himself out of it, to be honest with you. It's got yeah. to be easy to do. How often, and even if you're playing, how often as a big man are you coming up against somebody that's sore and, and, and learning how to play again? I mean, in a practice, uh, it's insane. Sure, you, but a seven foot four, oh my gosh. I can't begin to prepare for that. So, um, so head uh, i'm glad they beat michigan state huge Izzo fan i thought some of the comments in the post did he's grasping it at straws but they will that so it was well they don't call fouls on him now this one well it's like really what's next you don't we're like we're two weeks away from people going you know what you see a birth certificate that's not even true i bet they're literally trying <laughs> everything they can to get this off his game and credits Zach because he stays mentally in the face, close line him, whatever the heck they do there and complain. He doesn't go out there and flex. He doesn't, he just goes out there and play. They can't break the hell out of everybody that comes in contact with him. Yeah, I'd say probably the amount of fouls that aren't called that he commits versus the ones that he receives is probably like 10 to one. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Uh, I think Edie is just, um, you know, on another level mentally uh, playing that game as a big guy. There's a lot that he, you have to think about other than just playing the game of basketball. You got, he constantly has to think about where his elbows are in proportion to the person guarding him and, you know, all this other stuff that, that he's got going on too. And, um, we talked, you, you talked about Ethan a little bit there at the beginning and, uh, earlier, I think it was yesterday, actually, Frank, uh, did a deep dive into his own statistics and, um, found a really, really great, compelling, um, you know, 
thing that uh, a piece of data that Kyle had talked about or asked about. Um, Frank, can you kind of elaborate more on that? I thought that was a really good uh, thing that you found. Yeah. So last week we were talking about the, you know, the contributions that Ethan has made to the, to the team. And uh, Kyle had made a point that, you know, Purdue probably has four or five losses without some of the plays that Ethan Morton was made. And, you know, the play that he made against Ohio state at the end where he stole the ball on, on the inbounds uh, came up and he asked the question, how often is a team down one uh, without the ball? under 30 seconds and, and win the game in regulation. Um, and so I, I dove a lot into some play-by-play -play data. And um, long story short, I was able to found, find about 3,500 instances where that had happened. And the team that was down and didn't have the ball only won 8% of the time, about 8.02% um, of the mm -hmm. time. So um, like that, that was a, that was a, a huge play that he made there to, you know, to get that steal and, and, you know, get us the ball there so we could ultimately get it into Edie to, to win that game. And, um, yeah, I, I, I was actually shocked by that. And while, while we're on the subject, um, I asked, I, I asked everyone, like, when was the last time that that happened at Mackey? It's happened in the last, I'll say it's been the last seven years within that time frame. but can anyone remember when the last time we were up one? and lost within the last 30 seconds at Mackey. Uh, was it when Iowa came to town 2016? Uh, no, no, it, was, it wasn't against Iowa. Russ, you and I have talked about this game before, uh, if that's – that's a clue. Well, thanks for the added pressure because um, – Just a couple yeah. – you guys have only talked about a couple games, so that narrows it down. Yeah. <laughs> No, yeah, I, I I had no clue. I was okay. you said Mackey, and I was I I spaced that fact, and so I was thinking about the Virginia game. Um, no, no, I, I okay, so is it Rutgers so, this year? No, no. Uh, so one more one more clue. Um, 27, 2018 season. Okay, that was the team that won seventeen in a row. Ohio State. Yes. Yeah, because I collapsed on my floor when that shot went in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. One thing I remember about that game, we were seven for thirteen on layups in that game. I don't know why I always remember that. Like, yeah, we missed six six layups mm. in that game. Mm. Um, mm. So that's uh, yeah, that was the last time. The, I, while I was looking at all the data, I wanted to see the last time it had happened to us. Which the last time it actually happened to us, where we were on the bad end of that, was the Ron Harper Jr. shot. And I wanted to see the last time it happened at Mackey. Uh, and so it was 2018. So mm -hmm. uh, four times in the Painter era that's happened. We've been on either end of that. So Jeez, fun man. little fun little fact there. Yep. Yeah. Frank's big uh, once against Florida State that I don't remember, honestly. We played um, Florida State like every year for the last nine years. So. <laughs> yes, that, is, that is true. Yeah, well, while we're on the, the subject of Izzo, I... I, I I'd like to touch on his post-game comments for a second. Um, Do it. Yeah. Go. For I mean, it. yeah, yeah. He made he he made some comments about you know the refs not making, uh, never making bad calls, and there was sort of sort of some sarcasm there. Um, he made a really good point about the end of the first half being a seven-point swing that they had the ball. Um, you know, he felt he was confident in their ability to at least get two points out of that possession. Um, they turned it over on a what looked like a perfectly good illegal screen call in my opinion. I mean, his feet were set pretty wide. He tripped. I think it was Ethan Morton there. Um, you know, then we come down, we hit a three. 
Uh, and then he gets a technical and we get two free throws out of it and hit both of them. So instead of Michigan State up two, we go up five and that's a seven point swing, um, which I thought was a really good and really valid point. But they started talking about Painter and his ability to get guys to buy into their roles. And I just wasn't sure about some of the comments that he made, specifically talking about Caleb first and that Caleb's a really good player. And he could, uh, you know, uh, he, he, he's capable of scoring a lot of points, but he's content with taking, you know, two shots uh, in, in this game. And I, I just couldn't help but feel like there was something backhanded or, or uh, underhanded about that. Did anyone else feel that way? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's yeah. that's the whole uh, thing is backhanded. Yeah, like Russ was saying before we went on, we went live, you know, it's like saying, oh, man, you know, for doing what you're doing, like you're, you're doing, you could do better, but like you're doing good here. Like a, it's like you're like patting a, a little kid on the back. You know, you just beat, you know, you just, uh, you just beat them in a backyard basketball game, uh, you know, and they, they hit one shot and you're like, oh, that was a good try, buddy. That was really good. You tried really hard. Here's your, that was here's my your older brother growing trophy. up. <laughs> Shout out to Mike. <laughs> yeah. Shout when I listened to the, the presser and, you know, I heard the first comment before I listened to presser from you all. And it already, it kind of got my blood boiling. Like, what is he trying to like recruit backhandedly? Like, and just say, Hey, like, man, you, you could get so much more playing time and make more shots off other places. But in the press conference, he actually goes through guys on our roster, not just first. Like he goes, man, Fletcher lawyer. That's a guy that, wow, he could, he could score 25 for you, but he's content just getting four shots. And he scored and man, Braden Smith, he's another great player. He's had great nights, but he's just content playing his role. And, you know, Caleb first, you know, especially him, you know, he's the guy I really want to talk about. He he's so great and he only took two shots tonight. But I mean, hey, he's he's happy playing his role and he, you know, he does good. So, you know, and it was just like, dude, you know, back off. <laughs> like, <laughs> what are you trying to say? Like, yeah, salty, you know, especially with the recruiting battles we've got in with them. We just we talked about Swanning earlier in the show. That's that just sounds backhanded to me. Like, what are you trying to, you know, get guys to start thinking about, man, I should go somewhere else. But again, we talked about David Jenkins Jr. and his leadership on that team and talking about how much it means to him to be in his role and be part of a number one ranked team that he's been all over college basketball. And it seems like he's enjoying this stop the most. So hopefully he's, you know, putting that insight and that wisdom into these guys to say, hey, look, you know, hold tight. Don't don't think their grass is always greener somewhere else, because how many times are you going to be on a unanimous number one team? We're the first team in the AP poll history to from the power five conference to have a unanimous number one, two years in a row. How often is that going to happen? So, mm. you know, sure go somewhere else, but it's not gonna be better. So no, I, I didn't like those comments at all, at all. Jared, judging by your reaction, it seems like you, you might agree. I, he's he's kind of doing you a favor. A little bit more uh, about, you know, being a Purdue guy, guy it works. If you are concerned about how many, let me tell you that doesn't work for Matt Painter and, and if I tell you to go to Michigan State Tom Tom will take that go right want to do I'm not going to bring that attitude in here though so three shots in a game hey come to Purdue but if it's got stats you ain't got to be here so he's almost doing yeah and I've always kind of I've brought it up in our group chat earlier and I kind of want to get your thoughts on it it almost has seemed like since the Swanigan commitment, like Michigan State's gone one way and we've gone another. Like it almost like that flip, not flip, but us winning that out kind of um, 
changed the trajectory for both programs. And since then, Izzo just seems like a grumpy old man. <laughs> and he's taken plenty from us as well. You know, we we didn't we lost out on Gary Harris. We lost out on Malik Hall. Uh, I'm sure there's tons more from the past that I can't think of right now. So, yeah. I he seems dejected. He, he well take, take a look at something. He wishes he had it. Caleb first. He wishes he had a bright. He doesn't get Bryce. That is like a Michigan State. E. And I watch him, uh, you know, doing so. Look at what is on that roster. The best player they got, they've recruited out of high school. The uh, player that has the most end. Now, and you got to scratch your head and think about that one for a minute. Don't in their best when they've had a big, like four guys, five, and put a couple of uh, superstars out there, and they've been great. But he does not have that big body. He doesn't have a Draymond Green. That friend, they don't grow on. Those are the type of anchors that he's always had in the paint. One like like that. He has failed to recruit one of those. He builds the team. Around and it's frustrating to him the dirty stuff that I'm not saying it. I'm not saying I'm you know people talk people say things now and and uh, maybe everybody else is kind of out of touch. Maybe he's getting towards the end of his run. Yeah, part of me wants to be sympathetic uh, to Michigan State because they've had a lot of injuries this year and they just haven't been able to get a, uh, a momentum going. But, 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 everybody calm down, okay? Don't shake your heads at me and freak out, all right? Damn it, but it's damn Tom Izzo, and I would never do that. So let me finish my <laughs> sentence next time. Uh, nah, I had but. a lot of respect for Tom Izzo. Like, Michigan State was always kind of one of my favorite teams because we always played close games and stuff, and, and both us and Michigan State seemed like very lunch pail type mentalities, but over the last like five years, I've really lost a lot of respect for him. Yeah. Um, and something that may or may not have contributed to that saltiness that we all saw at the end of that game uh, in the press conference. Um, so, you know, Edie was at 38 points, uh, gets taken out with a minute and like 58 seconds left, and then immediately gets brought back in like two seconds later. And we were up like, what 17 or 18 at that point in time, you know, with a couple minutes left and Matt painter says, and swears by that it has nothing to do with him getting to 40 points. And it had everything <laughs> to do with Michigan state's lineup. They went, they remained big. He thought they were going small. They stayed big. So he puts Edie back out there. You're up by 17 with like less than two minutes to go, man. Come on. I mean, you, you could see it on TKR's face when he went out there. He was like, man, I don't want to be out here. I want you to get that 40th one. You could see it on everybody's face. Um, I, I feel like part of Matt Painter wanted him to get 40 points, even though yeah, he would he, never say that. he got that. obliterated from behind as he was going up for the 40-point basket and no call. Oh, they weren't going to let him get that 40. There's no way. No. <laughs> but God forbid if he'd have rolled an ankle on that last play, they'd have burnt freaking Mackie to the ground. Yeah, Izzo yeah, would have been too... by the ankles if he would have if to not get forty points. Yeah, and I thought it was funny too that to hear Izzo in the press conference talk about how you know the officials don't call him the right way, they don't call the fouls the right way, and they let him get away with so much, and they have the Edie rules, and then you listen to Edie in the game, and he's like, "Yeah, they basically fouled the crap out of me all game," and I just love it's it because I love playing physical. And literally, he busted his lip on a play that they didn't even call a foul on. 
you know, and then you've got Fletcher lawyer right next to him too, with a bloody chin from a screen. That was probably another moving screen that didn't get called, but then Izzo's complaining about fouls. And it's like, whatever, our guys are laughing with blood on their lip and their chin in the post game. Like, ha, we got the W who cares? <laughs> yeah. That's what I love most about ED is you'll see him and uh, going on planes to road games or whatever. And he's got a cut and he's got a bruise and, uh, but you'll never hear him talk about it. You'll never hear him complain about it. He's just he's a hockey player. Nails. Oh, hey, he's yeah. a hockey guy. Did you Wait, know that? What? Did you well, hockey? Hold hockey. on a second. Is this are we breaking news right now? Does this I'm gonna, I'm gonna do the breaking news graphic real quick? Just give me curling. I would love, love to see a seven. That that, <laughs> that that's gotta be a blast. He's probably amazing at it too. We just don't know. He's probably that like a wingspan. He just goes yeah, all if you the have way to see me on a line and curling, he can just set it down where it needs to go. Like <laughs> right where it goes, boom, scored. <laughs> Oh, so we have man. some fun games coming up this week. Yeah, pretty important games. Uh, one really, uh, I think, I think Wednesday is going to be a really good game. Um, you know, we've got Jalen Pickett, Micah Shrewsbury, and company coming to town. Um, actually, at Mackey, uh, this is a home game. We're not playing at Banker's Life or Gainesfield House, whatever it's called. Uh, you know, we didn't. Gainesfield House. Yeah, we're not. It's we're still Conseco to me. I still, I don't. I yeah. Once you change it Market so many Square times, Arena. I'll Market stick Square Arena. Yeah. Remember. What is it called now? Gainbridge Fieldhouse. Oh, okay, it still is Gainbridge Fieldhouse. Uh, okay. I thought they changed it yeah. again. Those God. Two elderly folks on the Market Square. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, really good game last time. Uh, you know, Jalen Pickett had an incredible first half, and it seemed like Purdue was able to make an adjustment or something in the second half to kind of, uh, you know, simmer simmer that flame a, a little bit. Um, uh, does anybody else have? Does anybody have any like you know pre pre match thoughts uh, against Penn State? Well, yeah, I mean, um, the, the main thing that sticks out about Penn State when you look at them on paper uh, or on the court is their, their, their three-point shooting ability. Um, you know, they're shooting 38.5% average as a team, which is 13th best in the country. Um, 43% of their points, or actually 44% of their, their points come from the three, which is actually fourth in the country. So that team that's going to fire... Uh, fire from deep. They have four volume shooters shooting 40% or better. It's Miles Dredd, Seth Lundy, and Andrew Funk. Jalen Pickett is not one of those guys. Um, however, Jalen Pickett's ability to score at all three levels kind of opens up threes for him. So um, he's just a, he's he's just an absurdly good player. Um, another thing that sticks out about them on paper is that they turn the ball over less than any team in the country. Uh, and Purdue is actually one of the worst teams in the country at forcing, forcing turnovers as well. So um, don't expect them to you know, make many mistakes with respect to handling the ball uh, on Wednesday night. I'm hoping that we'll have a little bit of an advantage being at home and that crowd's going to be raucous and, and obnoxious and they kind of set a high bar again going against Michigan State. So I think uh, hopefully the sixth man will, will help push them into some turnovers they normally wouldn't make yeah i would love to see fletcher lawyer um have another uh you know get hot from three again it, it's been a um i honestly i didn't get to watch the whole michigan game so I, I don't know for sure but i know michigan state they kind of held him um from being able to get those threes going um so it'd be great to see him get going in that in uh, against penn state and kind of pick that back up again and i don't i don't dump it in the zach i mean they they literally have no answer and you watch that game back yeah. in the palestra. I mean, fight against them. I mean, <laughs> whoever's down there is like, 
little poster. That's fantastic. Thanks so much. I mean, they're going to have to knock down like 13, 14, threes to have a chance to continue to dump it into Zach. He can put up 50 eyes because there's nothing on the interior. They don't rebound. It comes out and has a 15% shooting performance from three. He's going to be close. Looking at, looking at the game, the plus, I thought, oh, you know, this is a guy like Micah Shrewsbury knows this, this uh, knows this, knows where they struggle and knows where they that and I, I was just thrilled to be at the Palestra, a team that lives and dies by the three ball and you're taking where they shoot all the time and you level that 100% in our favor and uh, yeah we're stroking it but yeah, Matt makes some great adjustments there really trying to guard the three hard and they want to take mid-range trying to take it at Zach Eady which is it's probably what they'll be forced to do. Run away with that one, one tomorrow. Yeah, you are right in that they, you know, the one thing they do lack on their team is any real size. Um, I mean, uh, yeah, they, they do have a six ten guy doesn't play much. Um, so I think you know that they're going to be forced to play Edie. You know, probably double team, and that's going to leave somebody open. So is this going to be a steady diet of inside out or outside in? However, we want to set that up, but. Um, you know, that's that that's just gonna be the key is just trying to limit the damage they can do. You know, we do we don't want to get in a trading two for three, you know, combination. But if if we can limit the damage they do from three, well, I like our chances. I like our chances for probably a ten point win. Frank, yeah. uh real quick before somebody else says something because I'm thinking about it, what is our three point defense? Um boy, it- I could uh this is we are 25th in three-point percentage defense. Okay. However, three-point percentage defense is not the best way to determine how good of a defensive three-point I'm, I'm not going to go into it. Our def- defensive three-point percentage, we only allow our opponents to shoot 29.9%. Man, thought you were going to melt all of our brains, Frank. I was ready for it. Yeah, yeah he was going that way. I was about to go get <laughs> Frank's um, big Jer- brain. Jared kind of hit it at one of the notes that I was going to make was this could be – you know, we're coming off a week where Edie scored 70 points. Uh, or no, sorry, he scored 70 points in the last two against Michigan State. But he he had a big week, and this week he could have another big week. He had uh, 30 and 13 against Penn State, um, and he only shot two free throws. So that tells me that, yeah, they didn't really have an answer, and they weren't going to foul the crap out of him either. They were just going to kind of let him get his and hopefully that, you know, hope that Jay Pickett could carry them and hit some threes. And so this is definitely, you know, I don't like the term trap game, but it could be a trap game because – You've got IU on the schedule this weekend. It's a top 25 matchup, and Penn State is a good ball club with a coach that knows what we like to do. So we definitely got to show up at Mackey tomorrow night and be ready for a matchup, be ready for a fight. But, yeah, it's 100%, I think, get get Edie the ball and kill the dragon, as, as Painter likes to say. You know, get him, get him the ball early and often and let him make the decision. If he's getting doubled, hit somebody for a three. If not, then go get 30 points again, big guy. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think um, it, it could be a lot of fun. Uh, I also, uh, I think trap game is a strong word uh, for Penn State because I think Penn State is uh, better than like a, a trap. I would uh, like a trap game, but I, I know what you mean too, though, by that. Um, and yeah, you know, it's funny because uh, I think this time of the year is when, uh, you know, January, uh, typically Matt Pater teams uh, kind of struggle in the beginning. 
drift off like December, early January, and then pick it back up mid January and then on and kind of, you know, but this team uh, has kind of stayed very consistent all year. Uh, I mean, we've lost one game at home by a single point um, to a team with a really good defense. Uh, and so, you know, this year is just, has for me anyway has felt a lot different than previous Purdue basketball seasons. Um, I've been able to enjoy this game this season a lot more. I don't know if this is because I, I didn't I didn't really have any expectations when this year started. I was like, we'll probably make the tournament. And we're gonna have some fun along the way, and let's see if we can develop these freshmen. That was kind of my mentality. Um, so yeah, it's been a lot of fun, and I, I I don't know about you guys, I'm absolutely stoked. IU is ranked coming into Saturday. I love that. I love. I think. Assembly Hall is probably going to be like uh, IU Saturday is probably going to be one of the best environments in college basketball, probably out of any school of any game all season long. Uh, I think obviously, you know, when they come to Mackey Arena, it's going to be way better. But uh, the environment, the hostility, it, it's all going to be there. It's going to be a great time. Just bring your hard hat. <laughs> Look yeah. out. Yeah, yeah that I, uh, a disaster if Sensible got smoked with that piece of iron coming off the ceiling. He was close too. What a dump that place is. Yeah, I uh, had made I'll, a post be, about something uh, green. That's I'll, I'll just be happy as long as Courtney Green, the state of Indiana, on Saturday with a, 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 everything after that. Just keep. Yeah, he can be as far away from this area as humanly possible. I mean, you, you guys <laughs> right. know his stat line. I've seen the stat line with. With Purdue covers and Courtney Green, mm-hmm. and it's like one two and nineteen or something. Money, oh god, it's for for as much as we make the so-called agreement that, that you know Purdue has with the like in the hashtag the agreement. probability of that happening, the, the improbability of one one eighteen and one is, is I, I'm not, but somebody, I'm sure somebody can do. Do that and tell me highly unlikely. This guy down here. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think Saturday is going to be just incredible. I think the environment that, and it was funny, you know, I made a post about, uh, you know, PS, don't forget your OSHA certified or regulated hard hats. And um, <laughs> people were talking about, you know, experiences they've had going up games at IE where they've had like coins thrown at them. They've had, uh, there was one girl, something about a girl throwing trash or bottles or something at somebody um, that kept somehow getting back into the the state, like the arena, um, was just chucking stuff. So, yeah, well, it's going to be. I went to an assembly hall. They threw uh, cheese at the players. Russ and oh, really? I went to a game. They threw cheese at the players. That was the that was the Matt Harms tip game where like yeah. neither team oh, could hit a too. shot the entire time. My uh, yeah. My sister is that an was IU alum, Memorial Stadium and Assembly Hall. She has logged in almost every game she's ever attended. Just how how tight security can get at a uh, it's it's, uh, <laughs> it's a it's a notice somebody smuggling a dog is beyond me. He was I'm like, come on, really? Uh, um, I have Memorial Stadium, then I have Assembly Hall. All what I've gone, but uh, it's definitely up there. I like how Boiler Dad from uh, Boiled Sports 
calls it asshole. <laughs> it just abbreviates assembly. <laughs> Gets me every time. Yeah, I had a there was an IU guy that commented because I had said something about asshole too, and an IU guy was like, "Oh, asshole, that's the best you guys can come up with, huh? You boilermakers." And I was like, "Yeah, it took me all day. I'm so glad you uh you recognize that." <laughs> that's the fan base that says "perdon" every time they can. Ugh. Yeah, that damn P- jerseys and crap made with them. Like, come on, you guys are dorks. Figure it out. Read a book. <laughs> read I don't it. read books. What am I talking about? Fix your life. <laughs> Wanted to kind of talk about IU for a second. I mean, they've they they won five in a row, which is impressive after losing three in a row. They might uh, not they, be for much longer because they're currently down six with twelve and a half to go. Go Maryland. Yeah, well that they scored yeah. thirty nine points in a, almost a half and a half. I mean, so they're uh, they're eighteenth in Ken Palm. I'm I'm not sure where they are in net, but I believe this is a quad one game for both teams. So, um, you know, from a uh, uh seating standpoint you know this game matters a lot uh they're 16th in ken palm in defense or offense i'm sorry 44th in defense they're the 18th best three-point shooting team in the country they're not a high volume uh three-point shooting team though only about 25 percent of their points are coming from the three um they're just, they're just all around a good team especially since they've gotten ray thompson back um even though he hasn't played all that well um you know his first game back he played four minutes uh he logged a steal and three fouls um Played 24 minutes in his next game against Minnesota. Was one for four from the floor. Um, did have uh, three blocks uh, and played 21 minutes against Ohio State. Was one for five from the floor. Was three for three at the line. Uh, logged four rebounds, two turnovers, and three fouls. So hasn't played incredibly well, like we you know we're used to seeing Race Thompson play. Um, but I know he's kind of got that X factor glue guy. You know he's experienced. Um, you know, and he gives them another look in the post. Someone not Trace Jackson Davis to you know to score in the post. So, um, you know, I think I think this is going to be um, it's going to be a battle. You know, I expect uh, probably a three point margin of victory either way. But I guess the question I want to pose is if if Purdue drops this game, do they rush the court again? A bazillion so. percent. Oh, those nerds okay. will do it every time. That's why it's <laughs> yeah. a little frustrating to me going into this game because. If we win, they're going to talk about how regular season games don't matter and they got all the banners. But if they win, they're going to rush the court and it's their Super Bowl. So it's like there's, you know, no matter what, we're not going to be happy with IU fans come Sunday morning, period. I was never happy with IU fans, but that's besides Yeah, I can't remember a time where I was like, yeah, hey, good good for those guys. (laughs) (laughs) I was cracking up. They were – somebody – I think it was the Crimson Quarry had made a post uh, about – it was like uh, on this day – you know, post from last year when they beat us when we were ranked like fourth or something. And there was the picture of the crowd rushing the court. And um, who was it? Rob Finnessy, you know, uh, on everybody's shoulders and everything. Um, and some, I don't know how the topic got brought up, but it was talk. Basically it said that like Purdue fans had given him such a hard time and blah, blah, blah. And, and then folks started talking about how IU, you know, it, it just blew my mind that IU has even like the gall to say something about how, what Purdue fans have said to a player because they literally had it on their crimson, like the whatever their stupid student section's name is, had it on the list to make fun of uh, Isaac Haas's sister who has cerebral palsy. So like, I've there's like nothing that no, like <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> you don't get to you don't get to pick and choose what is acceptable and not. That was just, yeah. Ever since I saw that, like there's just no. Remember? I mean, they were all ready for him 
to hit the road his transfer papers. I mean, they were with that kid. And then he hits the shot and all these, and they're still like, yeah, so long. We appreciate that later. So please, let's not, not uh, Rob, who's a great kid, by the way. I'm a McCutcheon grad right here. Uh, great mm-hmm. kid. Comes from a great family. I think let's not act like IU fans were super high because they could they hated that kid for a while. he was mm-hmm. ready to push him right out the door before before he hit that shot. Yeah, just crazy. But yeah, I, I agree, Frank. I think this is gonna be a slobber knocker um on Saturday. Uh, I really don't know who's gonna come out on top. Obviously we want Purdue to come out on top, but um, I, I think it's going to be a great game, and hopefully, it's going to be a, a chess match. You know, both times. Damon dropping slobber knocker like it was no big deal. <laughs> oh, dude, that. I I love any kind of wrestling terminology. I love throwing it out there. That's why. <laughs> that's where the whole like, by God, so and so, they oh, got yeah, they, they got, got families. Family. I love uh, I love Jim Ross, man. He's like my favorite all time wrestling announcer. So, you know, that's uh, the last game. I was like Mackie Mania, running wild. You know, I love stuff like that. It's just fun. All right, Rice, you have a question. Yeah, so uh, last week um, we talked about Edie's possibly coming back next year and how he's actually eligible for a COVID year to come back for not just next year but the year after. And how, well, we don't know if he'll do that because if he's player of the year, even though the NBA might not be built for him, he might still strike while the iron's hot and go pro. So if Edie does leave, and Jared, I'm interested in your thoughts on this too. If Edie does leave, what do you all think – the front court rotation looks like next year as far as like minutes how you know who starts what's that rotation look like does it change throughout the year that kind of thing um and then yeah I'll, i've got a little caveat on that so i just want to hear your guys thoughts on that first have to be probably tkr at the at the five right and then you know berg uh rotating i mean one could argue for first at the five yeah you're never um, I would hope Trey Kaufman Ren develops to the point where he is off the bench. I, I, I like I, I stuff that he does. I mean, he has great potential. Um, you, you'd want the guy that's been in the program for three years at start. Um, I, I don't know. That's, that's something I have to play with a little bit, but I would hope it can Caleb there at the four. Um, you know, you can bring Berg off the bench. What a lot of unknowns. I mean, what, what where's can the things too? You know, I mean that that might be a guy that impacts what you, you do on top of that. Not to mention in the backcourt. I mean, what does this team before we just start slotting in these things? It's like where do you want? And then you need to. Then right now, we've always had those big guys it's like AJ, like through the post, and you know, with Swan again. So, you know, that complement that. So, my big question here who should get the start here and there? It's need the flow. What What is that? And, and then, whoever that main piece is, how do we come? I'm not sure what that looks like just yet. Um, it's definitely. Interesting question, uh, but you talent on there, and and Payne's gonna have to figure it out. It's not a hell of a good problem to have. 
Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I think it. I think ninety percent of it depends on Berg's development. Um, if he has just skyrocketed this year and learned a lot, then awesome. If not, then go with you know like first or TKR at the five. But I think whatever he does is going to be dependent on how it goes. And what a great guy for ED to have to battle against every day in practice. A guy who's literally like an inch or two smaller than him. Um, you know, it's not something that he regularly regularly plays against. Um, uh, yeah, I think that's great on both ends. Having Berg battle against ED, learn how to be a big guy, not foul, while also being a big guy and knowing how to play defense against bigger guys uh, as well. Uh, you know, who knows how often Berg would, was going to run into that um, being seven, two or seven, three uh, that he is already. But yeah, I, I think that's just a, a great situation to have. And, you know, uh, I could see, honestly, if, if Edie does leave, I could see maybe, maybe the, the offense kind of running more through the guards with Fletcher and, and Braden uh, and kind of them, um, you know, maybe trying to get uh, Fletcher going more from three, but I don't know. I, I, I really don't know. Uh, you know, I didn't know last year either. I, I didn't know what this year. I thought it was just going to be all ED, which, you know, granted it is like 60% Zach ED, but um, I didn't expect this year to be how it was this year. So who knows? Well, I will say, you know, the furthest, the team that got furthest in the NCAA tournament under Painter was the, 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 probably the team we've had with the least post-up threat, you know, where we had the most three-point shooting. You know, the closest thing we had was Matt Harms, who was never really quite the post-up guy. He was more of a slasher. So um, not saying, you know, one leads to the other, but uh, Painter has proven that if we don't have that dominant post player like we're used to having, uh, that we can still win games. Yeah. Dylan, you got any thoughts? You're muted, bud. You're muted. And then we got it. All right. Uh, no, I mean, I can't follow up Frank's big brain. So I don't know. And I hope I hope he doesn't leave. If he does, it's going to break my heart. Um, but, you know, you got to chase the dream. But either way, um, it'll obviously big, be a big loss. Um, but I hope he doesn't leave. And I don't think he will. But who knows? I've been wrong about a lot. Yeah, yeah I'm in that same yeah. boat. I don't think he does leave. Um, I just think he... Whatever happens this year, I think he comes back um, and just continues to roll. Yeah, so so Frank said something there at the end that made me – it was kind of one of the points I was going to make was if Edie's not in the rotation, and I don't know how Camden Heidi is shooting-wise, but then we're stuck with, stuck with um, four guys in the front court that can shoot the three because Bird can shoot the three. You know, you've seen his videos, TKR, Gillis – first can all shoot the three so then are we going to pay play more positionless are we just going to see who in the front court has the matchup uh, but i definitely think it's something where you know we see first at the four now playing so well with Edie that trey kaufman ren probably starts as the five but then you see kind of an even rotation like we saw last year when we had four front court guys and we don't see one guy dominate the minutes the way Edie did this year but with Edie and trey last year who had the most minutes Whoever's the most minutes last year in the front court, who y'all think? At, at, at just the center position, in the front court. So you you, you already saw through my my question. Gillis actually uh, averaged more minutes than both Edie and Travis. Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna say Gillis. Yeah, 
Yeah, so I think we see something maybe similar to that. Maybe maybe Berg doesn't quite get over like a 15-minute threshold, but he he looks like he's developing really, really nicely. And especially if you're talking about Camden Heidi working his way in there, I think you see kind of an even rotation. But I do think you probably see first and Coffin Wren starting in the front court. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, does anybody else uh, kind of want to wrap us up here? We're at a uh, we're at an hour and sixteen. So, does anybody else have any final thoughts they want to share? I'll kind of go around the table here. Uh, Payne Durham in the Reese's Senior Bowl coming up. I think it's an hour before tip off on Saturday. Um, okay. So yeah, shout out to our guy Payne for playing in the Senior Bowl. Uh, it's always Payne fun train. to watch. Payne train. Yeah. Cool. I've got nothing. Um, it'll be a good week. I did actually, I did just see Jalen Graham got an invite to the uh, combine. Oh, nice. Oh, nice. 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 Very cool. Awesome. Frank, you got any final thoughts? Uh, I mean, I, I spent a lot of time on Ken Palm. We have dropped from fourth to fifth. Uh, Alabama went from sixth to third tonight with their oh. dominant, dominant win. Yeah, they won by like 132 points. 101 to 44. So that'll do it. Who do they play? Vanderbilt. Um, oh. My final thought it looks like we're about to have a three game lead in the conference because I was up 13 with three minutes left in that game. Just over three minutes. So nice. Awesome. Love that. Yeah, yeah man. The, the... Anything? Oh. Um, I thought that knowing uh, a chance settled the debate uh, on Sunday. Is the uh, better basketball player, Malik Hall or Patrick Beatty? Uh, Patrick Beatty. Uh, so shout out to Patrick <laughs> Beatty. Throw that out there. But uh, you know, Malik's got that WWE. People t- tend to forget about that. He's got got a future in the wrestling. And, and also, fun fact: fact, uh, since we're talk- talking about the uh, my whole idols and money to get in a radio, Gino Okerlund. And Bobby the Brain Heat. Oh, yeah. Two of the legends right there. That's awesome. Damon's fired up. Oh, I am, dude. I uh, I told these guys I'm going to ha- I'm gonna make them watch uh, WrestleMania with me this year. So I'm, oh, I'm all, all about it. It's electric. I mean, it's the best. Yeah. It's going to be great. But uh, awesome. Well, uh, Jared, we just want to say thank you for being on here tonight. Uh, great to hear your input on things. Uh, you know, great. Uh, I love that people listening get to know you more just about what you do around the Purdue community and hear your thoughts on things. So just uh, shout out to you and thank you for being on tonight. I appreciate it. No, hey, thank you guys for having me. It's a blast to come back. You guys are awesome. Awesome. Well, uh, everybody tuning in. I uh, appreciate you guys all uh, watching right now. If you uh, uh, you can find us on YouTube, on Twitter, Spotify. Um, we'll probably be on LinkedIn at some point in time in the near future as well. Um, just kidding, but, uh, no, you can find us pretty well anywhere that you can listen to podcasts. Um, so, uh, appreciate you all checking us out. Um, and we will see you all next week. Boiler up, hammer down and beat IU. Boiler up. <laughs>